1: Said the Lord is good. Why don't you give God a praise like He deserves today? Amen. Listen to me. When the eight fifteen service is more lively than the eleven, we got a problem. I'm gonna ask you one more time. We serve a soon coming resurrected King. Would you give Him a praise like He deserves in this house? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, such a joy to be in God's presence, and I am so thankful that in the last service, a gentleman right here and a young man, I think, was sitting right up there, uh, they both responded to give their life to Jesus Christ, and that is the greatest thing of all. I'm so thankful for what God's going to do. Why don't we bow our heads today? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for those that are gathered here, those that are watching online. Thank you for all that you have done already this morning. Lord, you have literally ignited a passion for your presence in my heart today. Lord, somehow let me burn with that passion that others might catch fire also. Lord, let us grow in you and let us magnify your holy, righteous name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Today, I want to bring you a message entitled, Putting Wind in Your Sails. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 8. From the Plowman Bible reads like this, I want you to know about the struggles I have faced while in Asia. Let me just go ahead and say to you, it is understood that you will face battles. Is that true? All right. The attack was so harsh and the pressure so great that I feared that it was going to crush the life out of us. I thought that perhaps it was God's will that we die. I've been there. I've thought, Lord, is this the end? But this was just an attack, listen to me, to keep me from trusting in God who raises the dead. He saved us from the worst death of all, and he will continue. He will what? Continue to save us. We have confidence that he will always save us. What a powerful, powerful scripture. I love one translation of it that says he will save us again and again and again and again. Let me just declare to you, you can never outrun the grace of the living God. You know, (laughs) I enjoy getting out and about and traveling. Anybody else like to travel in here? Anybody like to travel? You know, when you're out and about, you travel. I don't care if it's the most remote jungle, or the finest city for cuisine on the planet. When I get home, I have eaten so many strange, unique, or out-to-eat meals that there's just something inside of me, and this will just show you how, how country I am, that just wants, now listen to me, wants some hot cornbread, some green beans, some squash. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want some good vegetables when I get home. You see, there's a, normally what that's telling you, your body's telling you there's a deficiency. You're missing a vitamin. You're missing some important ingredient. And so you're overcome. And I don't know how you do it at your house. I, I, I realize that this is commonplace at my home because the other day Christina hit me and said, now you've got Charlie doing the same thing. Because when I can't, when I, when I just can't find what I want to eat, I'd literally just start opening cabinets 10 times. Does anybody else understand what I'm talking about? I'll go to that cabinet, open it, go to the refrigerator, open it, and I do it all in a cycle until finally I say to her, let's go get some food. And and, and I'm I'm longing for something. There's there's a deficiency in me. And so I said, what do you want? And she's like, well, you're the one that's hungry. And I'm like, but I need you to decide because I'm at that dangerous level where I don't even know what I want anymore. And so she always picks the same place. She says, let's go get Mexican food, and so I go down, and I eat too many chips, and I eat this big, greasy, cheesy burrito, and I feel worse after the meal than I did before. You see, because my body had a deficiency, I just already feel, you see, this is my third service with this. My body had a deficiency that I was trying to meet the need of, but instead I took in an abundance of something else, hoping that it would deal with the deficiency. I fear that's the way that the American church is today. That we run around just looking for another word, another song, another, uh, another sermon. We, we YouTube this. We, we play this. We, we Spotify this. We're looking for all these different things. Somebody give me something to satisfy the hunger of my heart. Can I just go ahead and ruin the whole sermon for you today? Nothing will satisfy like the presence of the living God. Nothing will satisfy like Jesus wants to satisfy who you are you see we began a study in here the other day and Wednesday night and the study is called refreshed and there's those moments when you finally eat that item that gives you what you've been longing for that doesn't leave you drained that leaves you going that's what I've been missing that is what the psalmist meant when he said I have tasted of the Lord and he is good he restoreth my soul. Goodness, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What a joy to know that God wants to answer the deficiencies of our lives. But here's the problem. Instead of pursuing the deficiency and tackling it, we pursue the excess Because it's what we've been used to eating. Listen. As a result, we go through the same cycles hoping for a different outcome, and we find ourselves discouraged, depleted, and fatigued. Now, Business Week did a study. They did a survey, and they found out that the number one response to the question, listen to me, this is important, the number one response to the question, how are you doing? I shared this on Wednesday night. I thought it was powerful. Well, the number one response to the question, how are you doing? In a generation past, there was one word that they gave you. And the word that they gave you, well, this was the most common answer in the generation past. Well, does anybody know what that word was? Fine. Now, when a man says to you, fine, okay, he's fine. But when a woman looks at you and says, Fine. Do not take your life into your own hands at this moment. Stop, listen, learn, be quiet, lest thou condemnest thyself. Because fine means something different. But listen to me. As a whole, this generation, they found in business week, that the answer has changed from fine to when you ask someone how they're doing nowadays, the most common answer is, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I preached that on Wednesday night about being tired. After service, I mean, it's almost 9, nine o'clock at night. I'm walking around going, hey, how are you? And they go, well, I'm not tired. <laughs> it's not a physical exhaustion I'm talking about. I'm talking about a mental fatigue. That your mind, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit because I know that I have a word from the Lord. That your mind has become physically fatigued. It is so fatigued that this generation has been now labeled the generation of the fatigued. Because we are overworked, we are frustrated, and we are just plain tired. So they declared this generation tired. But we find ourselves in this tired mode, but we still have to go on with life. And so what do we do? We simply do the minimum that we can do and we just go through the motions and we don't feel like we can ever do anything right. We don't feel like we're great at our jobs. We don't feel like we're great at our marriages. We don't feel like we're great at being a parent. We struggle just going, am I speaking to anybody today? You know what I'm talking about. Because you're so busy, you're so overworked and you don't feel like, and you end up saying there's got to be more there's got to be something more and today as I'm preaching to you I'm talking to believers and unbelievers alike the Christian life can become that way if you don't watch it you can just start going through the motions it can become dull. It can become meaningless if we settle for trying to fulfill our duty instead of developing a dynamic relationship with the true God. The moment we stop pursuing him and we lose sight of where he is, we end up on this this cycle. Now, I have some friends who who recently became empty nesters. And these empty nesters, I preached about in the last service that I told them the other day, I said, you, you two just have to stop. You're making me sick. Because when they got over having to be focused on the child, suddenly they're in their home by themselves. And now, listen to me, now they started realizing, hey, I kind of like you. And now they want to go on dates together, and they want to do things together. They want to interact together. And it's just, I mean, it's just plumb out, irritating to be around them sometimes. Because they're so in love. They're sitting in this service. I'm smiling at them right now. Come on now. Amen. I'm talking about you, Ray and Kelly. That's who I'm talking about right now. I'm calling you out. Look at him. Got his arm up against her like, that's right. So in love with you, honey. Come on now. But they watching them now as they're becoming new grandparents and watching them experience this joy, but in that, that period in between, just watching their relationship grow because they began to pursue each other on a new level because it came down to the point that they, their world wasn't filled with the extra, that they, they, they had each other. Could it, What would happen in our lives? I and mean, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm about to say to you. What would happen in our lives if we stopped filling it with the extra, trying to satisfy, and we started filling our lives with the present, of the living God so that God can satisfy who we are. The problem is we're fatigued and it sets in and it slowly destroys once red-hot Christians and we begin to go through the motions, the obligations, the routines. It affects every area of our lives. It can affect our church. Because you know that if you say amen really loud, he preaches faster and the sermon ends quicker. Can I get an amen? (laughs) You know when to say amen. You know when to lift your hand. You know how to sing the song. We sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength without any joy and feeling totally fatigued. I'm preaching truth. We sing wondering where God is. We sing about you. You're a right now God, right on time God. But we're wondering where are you? It can happen in your job. It can happen in your marriage. It can happen in the relationship with your children. It can happen in your friendships. You see, you desperately want a breath of fresh air, but you don't know where to find it, and and so what we're going to have to do is identify the problem here, and the problem is, listen to me, we're going to use an old term from from, uh, 20th century and earlier, sailors, and the term they used was a term called the doldrums, because you've Sailed into the doldrums. Now, the doldrums—it comes from the word doldrums, which comes from the uh, dull and lifeless—and uh, doldrums is a spell of listlessness or despondency. And it was a, it was used when somebody became depressed. We would say they're depressed, that they're going through a series of depression, but then they used to say they have been diagnosed with the doldrums because their life just seemed like an endless routine that they could never get out of. Wake up, make the donuts. Wake up, make the donuts. They could never get out of the routine. If you're old enough to know what I'm talking about, say amen. And they could never get out of the routine. And the problem is that they would begin to then just coast along without any joy and without any life. And they were sad and they were sorry. What would happen to sailors is they would sail into a specific region near the equator where the weather is always extremely volatile, where it seems that that there's always this major rainstorm and it actually has the most precipitation of anywhere on the planet. And so they begin to call this place the doldrums. Because what happens in this place, which is known as the intertropical convergence zone, the ITCZ, what happens is the northern trade winds meet, the, uh, the southern trade winds and the east and west trade winds meet there. And as these trade winds converge into this zone along the equator, they cancel each other out. So if you're in a sailboat and you sail into an area that has no wind, you are caught in a dead zone. The collision produces extreme uh, storms, and the storms begin to pour out, and they feed themselves, listen to me now, they feed themselves in this dead zone because, listen, this is important, because there's no wind to blow the storms out of their lives. I don't know why I'm messing up my sermon in this service, but somebody needs what I'm about to say. You've been trying to serve God with religion. What you need is the wind of the Spirit of God to blow on your life again, what you need is to stop singing words on a screen and you need to find joy down in your soul to get after God like you never have before. Why don't you give him a praise like he deserves today? man? So what happens with these storms is they keep hitting storm after storm. And I know how that feels because I've been there in my life. You get knocked down, you get up. You get knocked down, you get up. And t- until you're so battered and bruised, until you become a shipwreck. And you're left bloody on some shore, falling to pieces. There are many things that contribute to the doldrums, but a few things we can do to stay out of them. Maybe it's been a while since you felt the wind of the Holy Spirit and you found yourself there in the doldrums. Maybe you've drifted into no man's land. Maybe you have been so focused on the external factors around you that you began to chase yourself on a treadmill of disappointment that you allowed the weights and pressures of this world. Listen to me. The world wants to beat you down. That's what the scripture said in the beginning, to cause you to stop trusting God. But God doesn't want you to stop trusting him. God wants you to plant your feet and believe and know that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Maybe you know where you want to go, but there's no wind. There's no breath. There's no life, and nothing will motivate you alone. I'm about to to take you somewhere, and we're going to eat our vegetables. Say vegetables. You see, without a strong direction toward a place where God is moving, it's easy to drift into a dead zone. And one of the main reasons that you get caught In a dead zone is that you don't have a destination where you're trying to grow stronger. When ships get trapped in the doldrums, they're not in the northern hemisphere and they're not in the southern hemisphere. They're sailing in the middle. They're just trying to somehow navigate the middle. Listen to me what I'm about to say. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, get this. We cannot sail the middle between our old life and our new life. We don't want to go to hell. Well, we really don't want to serve God. We want to have one foot in the world and the other foot in the kingdom of God. I told you this was vegetables. We find ourselves not on fire for God, but we're not living for the devil. We're not abandoning God, but we're not leaving our old ways behind either. I'm just going to say that one again. We're not abandoning God, but we're not abandoning our sin. Don't make me. It's it's a long way. Don't make me have to amen myself. I mean, we're not quitting on God, but we're definitely not living like God's people. If somebody comes in here this morning and sees you sitting here, they didn't. Don't be worried they're going to go, what are you doing here? Didn't know you were a Christian. People ought to know who you are in Christ before they know what church you go to. You see, what's happening is we're sailing with no wind beneath our sails. We're sailing not really being what God's called us to be. And Jesus himself addressed this when he spoke to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Come on, stay with me just a moment. It's worth this. Revelation three fifteen says, "I know all the things that you do. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're Luke, like lukewarm water, you're neither hot nor cold. I will spit you out of my mouth." Here's the thing, he said. If you try to stay in neutral, you just got my ticket for heaven then you will stay living with certain sins in your life. And Jesus said, as a result, I'm going to spit you out. Paul addressed it this way. This this is important. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He said, and I, brethren, I want you to notice, I, brethren. Now, brethren implies he's speaking to the the Christians. He's speaking to who? Christians. He said, I, Christians, I'm going to say it that way, could not speak unto you as unto Spiritual or Christian people, but I had to speak unto you like carnal people. Even though you are a Christian, you're a baby in Christ. Uh oh, that's interesting. He said, "He said, listen, you're you're Christian, but you're not living like a Christian, so you don't know how to talk like a Christian. So I got to talk to you like." In a language you can understand, because you're not talking like a Christian, but you really are a Christian. But but the problem is you. And here's the word that he used. He said you, or he said you're not spiritual, but then you're you're not you're not dumb with the world either. And here's the word he used. He said you're carnal. And the word carnal means to be stuck in the flesh. Now this is important. Now, I need to ask you a deeply spiritual question. How many of you have ever tried chili con carne? One, two, three, four, five, more in this, or six, seven, eight, nine. Chili con carne. This is deeply spiritual. Chili con carne means chili with meat. Chili with meat. It's what makes it con carne. Chili with meat. Somebody goes, is there any kind of chili that doesn't have meat? But listen, what makes it chili con carne and not chili con frijoles is because it doesn't have beans. It's got, this is simple. It's got meat. And this is important. What Paul is saying is you're a Christian, but you're still making life choices like you're not. So you're Christian con carne. You're still making your life with the flesh. Those who are led by the Spirit, not the flesh, are the sons and daughters of God. Oh, wait a minute. Last week when I was preaching about the nail-pierced hands, y'all were shouting me down. The day we're eating our vegetables. And what I'm trying to tell you is, if you still sound like you sounded back in the world, God wants you to know You need to set a destination toward change. If you still respond in anger the way you used to respond in anger, you need to set a new destination. Don't get mad at me for doing my job. My job is to preach the unadulterated word of the living God to you. And if you're living like a Christian con carne, you're living in the flesh, let me just tell you this is important because what's happening is we want Jesus to take us to heaven, but we enjoy the world too much to get there in a hurry. Here's the best way I can say Have How many of you remember those Coke commercials that, that had the water running down the side of the, the ice-cold Coke? You remember that? And, and they'd pop the top of that and they'd go, what would he do? Shh, oh, you've seen it. And you drink that thing and you are refreshed. Here's the problem. You get busy, you get the ice cold Coke, the water's running down the side of it, you pop the top but you're not listening and you take a drink and it's flat. You know what I'm talking about? What do you do with that? I'm not going to show you today. But you spit it out. Some of you have lost, what's happened is the life is no longer inside the drink. And the life is no longer inside of you because your faith became a routine. It's truth. And I have to preach the truth to you. And the truth tells me that God wants us to constantly be alive. Now, how are you going to fix this? It's simple. I've told you three times already. There's not 12 steps. It's one direction. Set your sails toward God. Pursue him in the morning. Pursue him in the midday. Pursue him in the afternoon. And pursue him when you lay down to rest. Pursue him in his house. Pursue him in your house. Pursue him on your job. Pursue him in your family. But Pastor Don, I got to live a little while. No, 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 no. Living for God is the only way of living. The Bible says, according to Hebrews, it's the only reasonable thing to do. Serving God is the only reasonable thing to do. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. No, you don't understand. There is no wind like the Holy Ghost. When you allow the spirit of the living God, when you run into who he is, and he runs into who you are, He will change who you are. But Pastor Don, this always knocks me down. No, it knocked you down when you were standing on your own might. But when he's pushing from behind you, you will overcome. You will walk in victory. You will be the redeemed of the Lord. Pursue God. Why? Because God is your X factor. An X factor is a variable in any given situation that could have the most significant impact on the outcome. The pursuit of God. Listen to me is the variable that changes the outcome. Anything else is religion. I don't read my Bible to check it off. I read my Bible because I see him in the word. I don't worship because I need to enjoy a, a song. I worship because he inhabits the praises of his people. And when I draw close to him, see, here's the problem. Some of you are going, but what if I can't find him? Do you not trust him? Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But Pastor Don, you don't understand. I disqualified myself. He didn't say only for the qualified. He said, seek. In other words, he said, if you want it, come and get it. Some of you are sitting around going, well, I don't know. I'm afraid to get embarrassed. Uh, No, no, no. Stop worrying about getting embarrassed. Stop worrying about whether or not you have access. When the King of Glory says you have access, no one can keep you out. Pursue God with all that's in you, and you shall receive strength to overcome the world. Amen. Pastor, why is this important? Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And y'all shouted better last week, but it's truth. Stand with me today. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 8 again. Now let's read it this way. As I'm reading it, I'm going to read it as if if I wrote this to you. I want you to know that I've faced a lot of struggles lately. The attack has been so harsh that, it's so great, sometimes I literally thought it was going to crush the life out of Christina and I. I thought that perhaps it was God's will that we just give up. But really, this was just an attack from the enemy to keep us from trusting in God. And I want you to notice this, who raises the? Do I need to interpret that for you? Who can do anything. He saved me from the worst death of all. And he will continue to help me overcome every battle, every struggle, every attack, every weapon of the enemy becomes subject to his authority. For we have confidence that he will save us no, I missed a word. What was that word? Always, always save us. Nothing can destroy you when you are following after God. Bow your heads with me, this place. God is here. God is present. He dwells among us. His Spirit has sent this word for us and if you've been dealing with a deficiency something missing from your diet something you've been longing for today God wants you to begin to pursue him with all of your heart all of your soul and with all of your might God wants you to come after him like never before this is important If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, there's some things in my life that have been slowing down my pursuit and I realize that I need to get rid of them so that I can follow God. There's some some sin in my life. There's some struggles in my life. There's some things that I have allowed, I've tried to keep that have no business being in the life of a believer. And I want to confess it today. No one looking around, every head bowed, every eye closed. Those watching, talking to you as well. If that's you, I me see your hand if you'd say, I need to get rid of some stuff out of my life so I can follow Jesus. 75, 85% of the hands in this place, you can put those down. Some of us are Christians concarnate. In other words, we're, we're, we like the way our mixture tastes. We like a little bit of the world and we want a little bit of God, but that's sin. It's him or nothing. It's his way or the highway. There is only one choice, follow him or don't. If you'd say today, pastor, there's some sin in my life that I've been happy with that I need to get rid of, and I'm going to get rid of it and repent of it now. Can I see your hand right where you are? Would you hold it up high? God's going to forgive you. God's going to cleanse you. I see those hands. Thank you. You can put those down. One last question for you today. Maybe you've not had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. Maybe you've had both feet in the world. You've never made the walk to stand with Jesus. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but it really didn't change your life. You just tried to get a ticket. You didn't start a journey. And today's the day you want to surrender your life completely and wholly to Christ. This is it. This is your moment. If that's you, I haven't embarrassed anybody else that's raised their hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you say today's the day that you're ready to leave that old life behind and give your life to Jesus. Can I see your hand right where you are? Would you hold it up high so I can pray with you today? Thank you, sir. Thank you, young lady. Are there others that will join with these two? Thank you, man. Thank you. And others will join me, these three today. Thank you up in the balcony. I see you up there. Thank you. Are there others? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. There's been about seven or eight people responding at this point. Are there others? Are there others? God's changed lives today. This is what the Bible simply says. You can't earn it, and you can't do it on your own. That the only hope we have begins with starting a journey with Jesus. When we invite him, not to get in the car with us, but we ask him if we can ride with him. If we walk with him and talk with him and pursue him. The Bible says we do that by confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. A lot of people want to believe his teachings, but they don't want to believe that he was God. So today we're going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We're going to pray this with these seven or eight today that have responded in this service collectively as a whole. And I'm going to pray for everyone who raised their hand. Would you now with concerted voices lifted, every head bowed, every eye closed, everyone praying now. Pray with me as we pray with these many. Pray this prayer out loud. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I realize I've walked my own way. I've lived in sin. But now, that all changes. From this moment forward, I give you my whole life. I confess that your grace comes into my life. I am forgiven. I am washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now by faith, come on, help me. And now by faith, we declare that God is our Father, Heaven is our home, and Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, is Lord of our lives. Father, I thank you for these that have prayed that many of them for the very first time. Lord, and now I thank you that those of us, I say of us, as I have confessed, Don Allen struggles with Christian concurrently. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us, O God, of our sins. Make us yours. Make us whole. And living God, I thank you that the things that have weighed us down will litter the trail behind us as we begin to run the race, the race to win for the glory of the King. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise like he deserves this morning.